the other side of midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, the Tappan Zee Bridge may soon be back. Sort of. A lot of you remember what occurred around six years ago when then-Governor Andrew Cuomo tried to memorialize his father. He didn't try. He succeeded in memorializing his father, former Governor Mario Cuomo, by forcing into the state budget a name change for the Tappan Zee Bridge. And they changed the name of the Tappan Zee Bridge to the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Everyone still calls it the Tappan Zee Bridge. I don't know anybody that actually lives in the Hudson Valley that refers to it as the Mario Cuomo Bridge. And the Tappan Zee name is important. It has American Indian meaning. It has Dutch meaning. And for years, State Senator Jim Scoofus has been trying to change the name back from Mario Cuomo Bridge to Tappan Zee Bridge. And you would think, now that his son is out of office and sort of disgraced, you would think that that would be an easy lift. It's not. Apparently, the best that Senator Scoofus is able to do, and this looks like it may happen within the next couple of days, is work towards a compromise to make this the Governor Mario M. Cuomo Tappan Zee Bridge. I'm not joking. This bridge will soon be called, in all likelihood, the Governor Mario M. Cuomo Tappan Zee Bridge. I mean, what a joke. What a mouthful. Can't we just change this back to the Tappan Zee Bridge? The residents don't want the Cuomo name on it. The legislators don't want the Cuomo name on it. Why this is such a Herculean effort and why so many people are not letting Scoofus just change the name of the bridge back makes no sense to me. Those of you that are driving on the soon-to-be Governor Mario M. Cuomo Tappan Zee Bridge, honk your horn right now so everybody knows you're listening to this program. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. There was a terrific story in the New York Post this weekend that I just got such a kick out of. And in some ways, it's a very 21st century story. And in other ways, it's a very typical New York story. And it has to do with the gourmet deli on 90th Street and 1st Avenue. Deli I've passed a hundred times. I don't know if I've ever gone on there. From the outside, it looks pretty much like every other deli. Maybe a little bigger than most delis, but not significantly bigger. And on a typical morning, you'll see New Yorkers pop in for a sandwich or a bagel, a $1.50 cup of coffee, whatever. But another wave of customers is flooding in through food delivery apps only they don't know that they're actually ordering from a bodega this deli located at uh, 1741 First Avenue, is advertised as no less than 27 different restaurants across Uber Eats, Postmates, Seamless, and DoorDash on all those food delivery platforms. This same deli, it's listed as First Avenue Gourmet Deli, Hero Sandwich Shop, Boss Cat Cheesesteaks, The Pancake Snob, 
Wraps on Tap, Insomnia Buffalo Wings, Panini Fantasy, Jasmine's Coffee Bar, Jen's Burger Blaze, New York Smoothie Joint, and I could go on and on and on and on. There's at least 27 different names. I love this. It's all uh, perfectly legal. Nothing stops a restaurant from marketing itself differently on these delivery apps. I think this is creative. They're not deceptive about the menu. Each spot on all these apps has a very similar menu. Prices can differ slightly, but I think this deli, in, at a time when it's very difficult for small businesses to continue to stay in business, they're doing what it takes to survive. The people have migrated towards these food delivery apps, and if they can do something to make themselves more appealing through these food delivery apps, I am all for this. Good for them. And I don't think restaurants should be in the business of trying to deceive people. But as long as they're delivering what they say that they're delivering when you order, I don't view this as deception at all. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. One of the most fascinating trials in the world right now is going on right in Brooklyn because it has to do with all of the worst aspects of human society and of human nature. It has to do with bribery. It has to do with corruption. It has to do with a disregard for children's health and a bunch of other things. Yesterday, a drumstick oozing red goo and chicken tenders with bones and metal sticking out were on the menu for city school children. That's what jurors in Brooklyn learned at the bribery trial of the education department's former food czar. This is disgusting. The fact that these food products, so-called food products, from Soma Food was sent to city school cafeterias in fall of 2016, and we have photos of this stuff. This is disgusting. You see this thick red liquid coming out of a bone. You see chicken tenders with metal in them. One school employee almost died choking on a bone that he swallowed while eating a chicken tender. He needed the Heimlich maneuver to save his life. But still, the schools kept serving Sama's chicken. And that's because, at least according to what prosecutors are alleging, of a bribery and kickback scheme between Eric Goldstein, the former head of the Education Department's Office of school support services and Blaine Eiler, Michael Turley, and Brian Toomey, the owners of this Texas-based food company, Soma Food Group. Goldstein got into business with the Soma owners to start his own beef supply company in the hopes that they would sell products to the schools with his meat. In exchange, he'd steer the city's school system's chicken and yogurt business their way. Now, they're denying this, and look, they haven't been convicted. They're entitled to the presumption of innocence. But we know that New York City school children were being fed absolutely disgusting food that was really not fit for human consumption, especially not consumption by children. And whoever's responsible for that ought to be held accountable, whether it's Mr. Goldstein or these other fellas or someone else. This is absolutely reprehensible, and I think it underscores the need to make sure that there are proper safety protocols in place to make sure the food that school children are eating is safe and ideally nutritious. To be continued. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Many of you may have seen the front page story in Sunday's New York Post over the weekend. I don't know if anybody still reads the actual paper. I might be the last one. Well, I still read it. And this story was on the front page. Apparently, the NYPD will be beefing up, the pun is very much intended here, enforcement of sidewalk barbecues this summer, getting in the grills, pun very much intended there as well, of scofflaws who commandeer walkways for urban cookouts. That's what the New York Post is reporting. A Brooklyn cop with more than 25 years on the job told the Post, we take the barbecues in an attempt to cut down on the parties and try to eliminate the shootings and fights. Now, a lot of neighborhood residents aren't necessarily happy about this because it's a fun time. You get out there and you're having a good time with your neighbors and we don't grill on our front yard or on our front sidewalk, but I've been to a lot of neighborhoods where they do do this and they have a lot of good time. And the officer said, I know people don't really want to hear it. They're like, that's BS. We're just having a good time. But the truth is someone gets stupid and a shooting happens. You knock the barbecues out and it helps eliminate the problem. Shootings, thankfully, are down citywide so far this year. The most recent crime data from the NYPD show that uh, that that's the case. They did surge 13.4% last July, including 50 people shot over the 4th of July weekend, compared with the same month the year before. So I don't blame the NYPD leadership and Mayor Adams and uh, Deputy Mayor Banks for trying to anticipate an uptick in violent crime over the summer. And I think that's smart and proactive policing. However, I, I empathize with where the residents are on this. I know that nobody wants to give up their fun outdoor barbecue and an opportunity to spend time with neighbors. And I, I wouldn't want them to give it up anyway. But the bottom line is these grills really aren't supposed to be on the sidewalk in any event. What's so bad about grilling them inside or maybe on the, if you have a back porch or depending on the circumstances, just uh, doing something else inside. You can't really have a barbecue inside, but doing something inside and then serving it outdoors and eating it on your front stoop with everybody else. I realize it's not the same, but if the grills are illegal then they shouldn't be tolerated. I don't think we should be coming down on the NYPD for actually enforcing the law to be continued.